trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Tuesday, August 18th. As I speak here at mid-morning, we've got a just marginally lower trade in the uh, row crop markets and a sharply lower trade in the wheat market. We did have a nice rally on Monday, of course, so uh, taking a little bit of a breather here today. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for subscribing. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you go on any of the podcast apps out there, whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify, which is becoming a very popular podcast app. There's a whole bunch of other ones. Look up Grain Markets and other stuff. Hit that subscribe button, and you will be made aware when new content is available. Also, leave me a review. I could use some more reviews on Apple in particular. Um, if you like the podcast, podcast, uh, leave me a comment. I would really appreciate it. If you don't like the podcast, you have some constructive criticism um, or any sort of criticism, go ahead and leave me a uh, comment and uh, I'd love to know what you think. I wanted to cover a couple news items before we get into this re-ownership uh, conversation or discussion today. I will talk a little bit about the crop ratings, which declined last week. And I think that a great um, one of the big reasons for the decline in the crop ratings, of course, was the big storm in Iowa, which was last Monday. And the uh, the Iowa corn crop fell 10% in the good to excellent category. And the amount of corn rated poor to very poor in Iowa rose up to 17%. I think it was only 8 or 9% last week. So based on those numbers, there are some people who do you know mathematical calculations based off the crop ratings that sort of thing. They're anticipating that the Iowa corn yield could drop by as much as 10 bushels per acre, uh, maybe more than that. I think USDA's got the Iowa corn yield penciled at 202 on average. So if you cut that down to 192, you're talking a production cut of about 135 million bushels for the state. And and that's substantial. But when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you know, we've got a 15.2 billion bushel crop is what USDA is projecting. 135 million bushels. I mean, it helps the cause, I guess, a little bit. The the cause being, you know, try to get this carry out as low as possible. But it's not a game changer in all likelihood. This is uh, a very unfortunate situation, of course, for those impacted. But I don't know as of right now that the amount of bushels lost is enough to really be a game changer. And I could be wrong about that. I still think we're in the process of kind of of assessing. Uh, just how bad the storm was and just just how severe the damage was. But as of right now, most of the estimates floating around, maybe it's 100 million, maybe it's 150, maybe it's up to 200, somewhere in that ballpark. And in any case, even if you're as high as, as say, that 200 million bushels uh, number, and I'm talking corn here, um, that's that's probably not the, the end of the world, but certainly supportive for the market. And that leads some people to believe, I think, that that yield number we saw from USDA and corn, I think it was 181.3 last week. It's led some people to believe that that may be the highest one that you see all year and that maybe uh, next month they come down or, or maybe they stay unchanged and then come down later. That's possible. Uh, my question would be, you know, does the crop get bigger in other parts of the country? And, and you know, the old adage, of course, big crops get bigger. Does the crop get bigger in other parts of the country that were not affected by the storm? 
So that's a big story that's that's made a, a lot of headlines here. Um, we've got the crop tour going on this week. Uh, no surprise that the crops in, in Ohio and South Dakota are better than last year by a fairly wide margin. Last year, of course, we had a, a national corn yield that was, what, 10 bushels b- below trend or more than that. So it's not a surprise that, that things are better than last year. Um, We'll see what the what the tour has to say here uh, today and tomorrow and the rest of the week. But, uh, you know, so far, so good, I guess you could say. Uh, demand has been really good, and I think that that's kind of what the market's been focused on to some extent. Uh, we've got the soybean market up into its highest level since March. Uh, we had a record crush number for the month of July, and that's, you know, about half your demand base for beans is crushing, and the crush demand has been fantastic. And the other half is exports, and we've got, I think, the second best book of new crop export sales for soybeans on record. So when you combine all of, all of your demand, it looks really good. And I think that the demand for the moment is kind of trumping the big crop story in the soybean market. Uh, In corn, demand has been very good also. Well, demand, I should say, exports have been very good. We've got a great looking book of new crop export sales in corn. Um, Feed demand, I think, is pretty good. Ethanol is still the one that that leaves something to be desired here. We're still feeling the effects of of this COVID thing in in terms of ethanol production. Um, We're still grinding corn for ethanol on a weekly basis, 10 to 15 percent below last year's pace and we need to get back to normal there this this covet thing has has implications that are going to last for a, a much longer period of time than we would like it the, the impact continue we continue to feel the impact now and it's probably not going to go away anytime soon i don't know that we'll be back to a normal ethanol production uh, uh situation or ethanol grind uh for a while that's that's a big problem so I wanted to do this conversation about re-ownership. Is re-ownership for you? What is re-ownership? We hear those those sort of terms or that term tossed around a lot. So first, what I'll do is I'm going to give you kind of the definition and, and, and let you know what I'm talking about here. I'm going to give you my personal thoughts. I'm going to run through some advantages and disadvantages of, of re-owning um, a crop. And uh, then I'll give you maybe a couple of examples to consider. So re-ownership, essentially, when we talk about re-owning corn or soybeans, we're talking about taking a position on the board to replace grain that you've sold. So you've sold some some corn and you don't like the price and you decide that in order to replace those sales, you're going to buy futures, you're going to buy a call option, or you're going to initiate some sort of option strategy to make money if the board goes up after you make the sale. That's what we're talking about when we talk about re-ownership. So we're, take, we're talking about a long position on the board, whether it means being long futures, uh, buying a call option, using some sort of option spread to maintain ownership or some degree of ownership after you've made a sale. That's that's what we're talking about here. Now, my personal thought is this. Um, I use re-ownership very, very sparingly, really barely ever when it comes to marketing grain. And the reason for that is, is that I've seen re-ownership uh, go wrong many times. I've, se- I've seen it work too, but I've seen it go wrong uh, in a lot of situations. And I just, I really hate to see a farmer lose money being long the board in any way, shape or form, because as a farmer, you are so inherently long the market, m- more so than you even think, because not only are you long this year's crop and next year's crop, you're long every crop from now till the day you quit farming, essentially. So you have so much length here inherently that 
I just, it, it really does not sit well with me to see a farmer lose money on the board. And that's not to say that you're going to lose money every time because you won't. But um, I just, I, it's something that I really, really hate to see. And you got to think about, uh, especially in these sort of times where markets are below the cost of production, uh, margins are very terrible. Um, it's tough to, to tell a guy to, to take margin money and and belong the market in in what have been bear markets uh what have been markets that don't rally very often uh it's 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 tough to tell a farmer to take take money that he may not have to begin with uh and and invest it in a call option or some sort of long strategy when he's already long the market he's already in kind of a bad spot i feel like you you could potentially take a, what's a bad situation and make it even worse by being long the market so i, I again i have seen it work I haven't seen it work a lot recently, and that's mostly because we've been generally in bear market territory in these markets for so long now. I mean, I'd probably make the argument that we've been in bear market ter- territory since, what, middle 2014. The rallies have been few and far between. We've, we've been in, in markets that offer a lot of carry, which is an obstacle I'll discuss here. Uh, we've been in markets that go down more than they go up, uh, to put it simply. So it's it's made re-ownership difficult. If you were to get back into a cycle, say like the cycle we had from, I don't know, 2007 through 2013, where we're in bull market territory a lot more often, uh, this would become a different discussion perhaps. And uh, re-ownership would be uh, an, an option that would maybe be a little bit more successful for some people. Um, maybe it would work out more often, but I haven't seen it work out very often uh, recently at all. So let's talk about the advantages here first off. What are the advantages of selling cash grain and then reowning it on paper using a futures contract or an options contract. The big advantage is that you can sell the cash grain and put that money in your pocket. So from a cash flow standpoint, or perhaps from a logistics standpoint, I have to sell because I need to make room in the bins, or I've got bills to pay, I need cash flow. Um, that's where it, it can be advantageous to say, all right, I'm going to sell my cash corn that's in the bin. I'm going to clear out my bin space while putting money in my pocket. And then I'm going to use a portion of that to reown the grain on paper. I get that. It makes, it, it makes sense. Um, it provides you some flexibility is my second point. Um, you know, with, with futures, you can exit or enter positions very quickly. You can do it in the same day or in the same five minutes if you wanted to. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to move a futures position or exit a futures position than it is, say, a position in the cash market. So um, there are some advantages when it comes to that. Now, the disadvantages, I think, in most situations for most people outweigh the advantages. I I think that re-ownership puts you into speculative territory. When you're a farmer, your job is to grow a crop. And then when you grow that crop, you have this inherent long position. Your job is to exit that long position uh, the best way that you know how. And that's, what, and that's what grain marketing is, essentially. It's it's selling our production. It's exiting that big cash long position that we have. So you're kind of getting into speculative territory in that you're basically doubling down on on what's already a big time long position. Now, granted, there may be situations where you're sold out of your entire crop or you've oversold because of a crop issue. Those, there are some, some circumstances that, that can change that maybe what I'm talking about here, but in general, I I think it kind of puts you in a speculative territory, which 
for a farmer, I, I don't believe is a great place to be. I, I did an, an episode a couple weeks ago called Don't Be a Trader, and I explained how uh, trading commodities is an incredibly difficult endeavor, how you're competing with some of the, the most well-funded um, and, and, and most intelligent people on the planet who have spent their entire lives uh, trying to make money in these markets. It's direct competition. Another disadvantage is margin calls. I mean, cash flow is is an issue right now, no doubt about it. Um, everybody's tight on cash uh, to one degree or another. Some some maybe more severe or exaggerated circumstances, but um, cash is is not something that is plentiful in farm country right now for a lot of people. And because of that, it's it's tough for me to tell a guy again to put money up to be long the board in, in any situation. Um, the the third one that I wrote down for a disadvantage is that. You can take a bad price. Like let's say you sell some old crop corn here today at 328 September futures. I don't know what your basis is, but whatever your basis is, say you get say you get 315 cash just to for as an example here. I mean, you could sell that and then buy a call option to reown it and then that option may lose 10 or 15 cents. So you could take a bad sale and make it worse. You could do the same thing with futures. You could sell the, the cash today, buy futures at 328, and the futures could go down to three dollars. You could turn your 328 futures into into three dollar futures very quickly. So um, it it can take a bad situation and make it worse. And I've seen that happen. And it really just it does not sit well with me. I I hate I hate I hate to see that happen. Um, so here's a couple examples here of, of maybe what somebody would do for re-ownership. So let's take this old crop corn example, and I kind of just gave you one, but I'll give you some more specifics here. Let's say September corn, uh, you sell some old crop corn today and you want to re-own it. What are your options? First option and the, the simplest one would be to buy September futures at 328 and a half is, is where the board is at today. So let's, but let's say you do that. You buy September futures at 328 today. Next week, uh, later in the week, uh, your broker is going to give you a phone call and they're going to say, hey, first notice day is coming up and you can't hold these long positions into first notice day or into the delivery period because you're risking delivery. So you've got to roll them to December. What's December priced at? 343. So you are taking a, a long position from 328 and you're going to roll it forward and now you're long the futures from 343. You've just lost 15 cents just because there's carry in the market. You've got to eat that carry. And that's incredibly difficult because what happens in these carry markets so often is that you'll see those deferred contracts kind of work their way down to where the uh, the spot month contracts left off. So if that were to happen in this situation, you'd see that 343 December eventually kind of disintegrate down to 328. And now the market, you know, the spot market is at the same price it was when you bought your futures, except you're out 15 cents. So did that really do you any good? There's a reason why big fund traders have been short the corn market for a long time. I mean, part of it is is real bearish fundamentals, but the carry in the market makes it very easy for them to stay short because they can they're doing the opposite of what I just described. They're being short the market from 328 and then when they have to roll it, they capture that 15 cents by rolling it out to December. So when you're in a carry market like corn, it's incredibly difficult to to reown uh, using futures and options also. Uh, let's say you wanted to reown old crop corn with options. Well, September options expire on Friday, so you probably want to buy something with a little bit more time, right? So now you've got to go out and buy, say, October, November, December options, um, all of which carry a premium. You're going to spend, depending on which one you buy, and, and you say you want an at-the-money option between 10 and 15 cents a bushel on an option, depending on which month you choose. 
And same scenario, you're buying an option against December futures, which are priced 15 cents above these nearby September futures. So you're selling old crop at a 15 cent discount to new crop, but then you're buying your call option versus new crop, which is at a 15 cent premium. You're, you're eating that carry just in a different way. So it's it's very, very difficult to reown um, a, a market that's that's in a carry type type deal here, like we've gotten corn. Now, soybeans are a little bit different because there's not a ton of carry in the soybean market. You know, from September to November in soybeans, there's only two cents of carry today. So it's perhaps a little bit more of a viable strategy to reown soybeans on paper just because you don't have that carry. And that's that doesn't mean I'm advising that. It just means that if you had to do it, it makes a little bit more sense in my mind. So if you had to sell some cash soybeans today versus the September futures contract, which is at 913, you could go reown it using November futures, which are at 914, 914 and a half, and, and you're only eating a penny or two of carry. I can probably live with that if, if that's something that you felt like you had to do. Same thing goes for the options. You know, you're going to buy an at the money option versus November. At, at least your at the money option is is pretty close to where the at the money stuff is for the September, which you're you're selling off of on these old crop bushels or in this example. So when you're in a market that doesn't have carry or better yet in an inverted market, which we don't have in, in any of these grain markets right now. But if you were in a market where say your nearby contract was above your deferred contracts, which we haven't seen uh, very much recently at all, then it, it makes it a lot easier to reown beans or reown corn. But we just, we haven't been in bull market territory. And when you get inverted markets that typically correlates with a bull market. So we haven't been in that situation. So a lot of obstacles here, a lot of obstacles to re-ownership. Uh, my, my advice to you would be this. If you are, I've, I've talked about these categories of grain marketers before. If you are in that novice to say middle of the road category as a grain marketer, I don't believe that re-ownership is for you. Um, I think that you've got to wrap your head around the more basic uh, fundamental items when it comes to grain marketing, you know, the cash sale, and then beyond the cash sale, the HTA and the basis contract, and then maybe understand how put options work and how they protect your production and they protect protect price. I really feel like you've got to be in that advanced camp when it comes to grain marketing. If you're going to utilize re-ownership, you've got to understand completely how it works. You've got to have the cash available to do it. You've got to be able to tolerate losses in your futures account because there's a ton of risk associated with this stuff, especially in buying a futures contract, unlimited risk there. So it's it, it can be very, very risky. And again, it can turn a bad situation into an even worse situation. So I think if you're if you put yourself in that novice or middle of the road camp when when it comes to grain marketing, I really don't think that this re-ownership thing is is something that you need to get too excited about. I, I think what you got to do is make your sales um, when possible, when the, when the opportunities present themselves, and then look forward. When you make the sales and you start re-owning it, you're kind of like looking backwards. And I feel like you're trying to juggle too many things at one time. Oh, I made a sale and now, but I've re-owned it, but I'm still on new crop corn that I've got to sell it. It, it 
overcomplicates things. And and as I've talked about before, I'm, I'm a big, big, big fan of simplification. I believe that this whole process of grain marketing can be simplified. And I believe that the re-ownership deal for the vast majority of you is probably overcomplicating the situation. And that's not for everybody. I, I understand that there are people out there uh, listening to this that, that are in that advanced camp. They understand it. They can do it. They've done it before. They've been successful doing it. But until you get to that advanced camp, my advice would be to steer clear. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I'll be back uh, later this week with with something new. I'm not quite sure what I'll talk about yet. Remember, if you do need some help with your grain marketing, go to go to my website, uh, standardgrain.com. Click on Grain Marketing Plan. If you sign up for that subscription service, it's 49 bucks a month. I'll let you know when, how, and specifically, I am pricing uh, cash grain throughout the year. And uh, you don't need to be a futures or options trader. You can cancel that deal at any time. There's no acreage fee. There's no hidden fee. Um, you can just follow my advice. And, and an example of my advice would be this, you know, on in a given day. Uh, sell 10% of expected new crop soybean production at X price. And we just kind of work to build a price over the course of a year or two. And and in most situations, it, it's about a year and a half or two years that uh, we'll start the, the process of marketing a crop. And uh, that's the way that, that has worked best for me over the years. Um, I, I think it could probably work for you. It's a very simple approach. Um, we try to stay disciplined. So if you need some help, check out that subscription service. You can cancel it at any time, no obligation. But uh, hopefully I can help you out a little bit. And if you have questions, give me a call, send me an email. Be happy to talk to you. Everyone have a great day. We'll catch you later.